This is Hemet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. If you give five bucks a month, you get ad-free episodes, a bonus episode, and you're supporting uh, our little endeavor here. You can listen to this podcast on YouTube under the Friendly Atheist channel. There's a Discord also, there's a link in the show notes. And a huge shout out to some of our more recent supporters, Greg H, Angie L, Achim, Akim, Akim H, Robin K, Kristen W, Daniel P, and Bill C. Thank you so much for your support. And we are doing this over a distance mm-hmm. and talking because one Cause of we us- We missed it so much. So much. One of us in my family got- the virus and then mm-hmm. of course everyone got it mm-hmm. um so i don't know i'm vaccinated and i felt fine all week but you know out of an abundance of caution i guess i won't cough all over everyone around me yeah i um, guess that's okay <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good how are you how was your trip i haven't talked to you since you left yeah no my trip was absolutely incredible i spent um a couple days in louisville um and then a few nights in Asheville. And it was a blast. It was for my friend's bachelorette party. Um, we it was great. It was so wonderful and lovely and great. And then I don't know, my whole life fell apart at the seams out here. My <laughs> computer shit the bed. My my car isn't gonna be ready for two more weeks. So, like, you know, shit's rough all over for the uh, friendly atheist duo yeah. here. <laughs> Good times are ahead. Also, by we all. just spent 45 minutes trying to set this up, and I only cried once and it wasn't even on camera <laughs> don't worry that's a bonus bonus episode thing <laughs> just the um, recording of me yelling yeah. at my computer <laughs> yes so with that let me start with a genuinely somewhat happy story because there's only one so enjoy it while it lasts um so get this in kansas uh there's a city called haven um just outside of wichita um, but rural city where it's the sort of place where typically you see religion kind of running amok and sure, you, you sure. wouldn't be surprised by that. Uh, so they have a police department, the Haven Police Department, that posts things on Facebook like he is risen. Happy Easter. Here are three crosses on a hill. And you're so? like, yep, that that tracks. And there was another post where they quoted a Bible verse. And then a few months ago, the police chief, uh, Stephen Schaefer, stuck in God We Trust decals on all the department vehicles. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it's technically it's legal. You could just say it's the motto. We love our country, but everyone knows what you're doing. This is all part of a little Christian propaganda campaign. It happens often. <laughs> yes. Um, but here's what is surprising about this. A couple of weeks ago, they had their city council meeting. And one of the council members, uh, Sandra Williams, she, uh, we don't have a video of this, so I'm paraphrasing what local reports said. She voiced concerns about all of the Christian promotion, saying that the police department and their social media and their cars are not the forum to be talking about God. Right, right, and, right, right. Which is the sort of thing you don't always hear someone say. And the police chief is more like a, well, I want to fight you on this, but uh-huh. he knows his place. He knows it's the police department. Like, they a decide. A cop knows what his place? 
<laughs> so according to one news report, there was a brief exchange between the two of them. And he just asked the city council, like, do you want me to stop promoting Christianity through the department? And the mayor was like, yes. And everyone else said, yes. <laughs> and, and all yeah. of this and all I'll, I'll tell you, but all of this is based on uh, that Sandra Williams. She said we had a concern from a citizen that was brought to the attention of a council member. So like someone told her, I'm bothered by this. She raised the concern. Mm-hmm. This brief exchange happens. The mayor's like, should we get rid of this? Yes. And everyone agrees. And that was the end of it. And he's like, well, all right. Acor- Here's what he told a reporter. I, this is the police chief. I was a little defensive. But in the end, we're going to do whatever the council tells us to do. It's not an issue for me. Wow. Uh, what? <laughs> that can happen still? In rural Kansas. And nobody even like the whatever Liberty University values <laughs> okay. family. People didn't say like swoop in and say, we'll sue on your behalf. You know, I think it's one of those things where unless you were at the meeting, you didn't even know it was going to happen. And so they had the conversation. It quickly happened. Now, what will happen at the next meeting? Who Ah. knows? And then here's the thing. The mayor later, when they asked him about it, he said, you know, there should have probably been a little more discussion. I know our legal team is looking into, you know, is it an option? Can we have it? Which which is a weird thing to say, because it's like, what? Are you saying if it's legal but promotes Christianity, then you're cool with alienating Muslims and atheists and everyone else? They don't like, care about Muslims and atheists, haven't they? Care about not getting in trouble. I know. And then the mayor said something else. Where he's like, personally, I disagree with the decision to remove the decals, even though he voted yes. But he said, whenever we're in an emergency, we rely on police. So they have to put their trust in something else besides human aspects, which is a weird alien term for people. Um, But he's implying the police have to trust something higher, which, no, do their job and trust themselves. Super don't. Nobody cares. So I'm like, oh, no, he's second guessing himself. So I don't know what's going to happen at this next meeting in a couple of weeks. But so for now, could, up on us. could it? Yes. But for now, it's like they made the right move. Let's hope they don't reverse course. I don't know that I have that trust in them. Yeah. But maybe who knows? Um. So let me let me jump to Canada because this is another one of those like I'm glad it happened and it's predictable. But let's talk about it. Canada's parliament has a House of Commons. Let's assume it's similar to our house. And they have a prayer that opens their sessions. And I looked up the history of this thing. They're like little opening prayer. It's been around since 1877. Mm. So it's been around forever. Really, for a long time, the only thing that changed is the name of like the king or queen of England. (laughs) But Here's basically like, and in 1994, they rewrote it so that it wasn't all Christian, that it was a little more inclusive. But here is the version that they say to basically open up House of Commons meetings uh, whenever they're in session. Uh, I'll skip through a lot lot of this. It's 30 seconds. Almighty God, we give thanks for the great blessings, yada, yada, yada. We pray for our sovereign, Queen Elizabeth and the governor general. Guide us in our deliberations, dot, dot, dot. Grant us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, dot, dot, dot. Amen. I mean, it's a religious prayer, right? 
Is it the biggest deal? No. So it turns out- They don't have the same church-state separation laws we do, so- They have the principle of it, but they, I I mean, it's- I mean, it's the church of- I won't talk out of turn. How about that? I know, right? Like- Well, I won't either because I'm not going to pretend to know how their politics work. And I'm going to probably say 30 stupid things that Canadian listeners are going to be like, no, that's not even close. So I I also thought we were talking about the UK. Listen, it's tough. (laughs) It's tough out here. It's really hard to record remotely. It really is. Um, (laughs) That's the excuse we'll use for the same mistake we would be making in person. (laughs) No, it's okay. So it turns out this week, Tuesday, was something called an opposition day. They have uh, like a couple dozen of these in parliament, where basically it's a day for the non-governing party to voice their concerns, raise motions, because they know that like the, the main ruling government, the coalition that's ruling it, they can pretty much do whatever the hell they need to do and get mm-hmm. their way. But they have a few days set aside for the opposition to raise their concerns, which okay, nice, I guess, if they're sane, like, to let the minority well, party... If they're good faith up. arguments. If, exactly, if they're fine. good faith arguments. So on Tuesday, one of the things that the, sorry for the pronunciation, Bloc Quebecai, don't, don't ask. Don't, wow. They have, they have about 32 seats, I think. 32 seats out of 338. In the house. So, like, again, minority, minority. party here. I'm going to just say BQ. The BQ people bring up a motion that says, let's get rid of that prayer. We don't need it. Mm-hmm. And basically, they said, let's replace it with a moment of reflection. Um, and here's what Martin Champeau, who is their member of parliament, the guy who's proposing this motion, here's what he said, which totally makes sense, of course. The fact remains that there's a significant percentage of people in Quebec and Canada who say that they neither believe in God nor belong to any religion. Uh, And then he later, he said, right now, a member who is an atheist and feels that their personal convictions are being undermined by the prayer has the choice to sit and wait for the prayer to be over or to wait until the prayer is done before entering the chamber. I think that this member's conscience rights are being violated. Mm-hmm. The same atheist member might appreciate our proposal for a moment of reflection. He goes on to say, the current prayer does not even reflect all religions. It is a Christian prayer read out in a chamber made up of people of different faiths, including Sikhs, Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, and Hindus. Great arguments. Yeah, exactly wonderful. the reason you would want to get rid of a traditional prayer, even if it's tradition, mm-hmm. and replace it with just a moment of silence. It's fine. Um, Justin Trudeau, the prime minister, he actually responded to what they were saying and said, you know, <laughs> what do you think his response was to the proposal to get rid of the prayer? That sounds reasonable and more inclusive of all Canadians everywhere. I wish I wish that's where he was going with this. His his response was, I need to change the damn subject real quick. So his response was basically, when I talk to my people that I represent, they talk to me about the cost of living. All Canadians? The issues of the, <laughs> all of them. Yes. Well, <laughs> the one specifically where he's from, he's like, the they talk to me about the cost of living, the issues of the war in Ukraine, inflation, climate change. Uh, it is on these major issues that we will continue to focus. Basically saying, you know what we do when we're in power on the normal days of parliament? We're just going to do that stuff. And eh, your little petty issue, eh, don't worry about it. Which, I by the way... I really hate shit like that. 
<laughs> I like, know, I, right? Like, to me, it's so fundamentally unhelpful to be, which I, I'm sure you can find a million clips of me doing the exact same thing, but I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but this is what you want to focus on right now. But like, if not now, when? Like, it's there's never a good time. My therapist taught me that. <laughs> Another member of BQ actually responded to that argument because Trudeau wasn't the only one who made it, who said like, well, we got bigger issues to worry about. Mm-hmm. He said, every time we've raised the issue of secularism over the last few years, we have been told that there are other more important issues. However, the rise of the religious right is troubling. Yeah. Especially at a time when in 2022, the Parliament of Canada refuses to reaffirm something as fundamental as abortion rights. Is my colleague as fed up as I am with being in a theocratic monarchy? (laughs) Dang. I know, right? Around, huh? No, even the British Columbia. Theocratic monarchy? Theocratic monarchy. Which I guess. Yeah. British Columbia Humanist Association, uh, on Tuesday, they debated this stuff. Wednesday is when votes would have come up for any of this. But um, the British, uh, the BC Humanist Association said, at a time when we see danger posed by the encroachment of religion in government south of the border, he's talking about us, parliamentarians must take this opportunity to defend a secular and multicultural society in Canada. Oh, now we're their boogeyman, and oh. Mexico's our boogeyman, and That's exactly Mexico's right. boogeyman is what Central America. Yeah, I guess oh, I don't God. know. I was going to take a swing as if I knew. <laughs> they, I was going to say they're <laughs> they're going to go with Texas as well. We know it. <laughs> they're going. They circle um, back up around. I see. <laughs> yes, it all boils down to Texas, and everybody um, fucking hates the Antarctic. I cannot even tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so they debated this. Tuesday, they did bring it to a vote. It's the nature of Opposition Day. They brought it to a vote on Wednesday, and it failed 266 to 56. So this is the part which, I don't understand. This mm-hmm. When they say we have more important things to worry about, like, does it take that right. much more time to pass it than to not pass it? Because it seems that to is, me that that time is held anyway. That and is maybe exactly something productive the... should have happened then. <laughs> and maybe just not nothing is my thought. If we have so many important things, inflation, the war in Ukraine, the ongoing unpleasantness with the coronavirus. Yeah, we could, probably could have used that five minutes for something better, but we used it for nothing instead. So go fuck yourselves, guys. Yeah, that's exactly what? the problem, what? which These is if people you, don't give a shit. You, Sorry, you, I'm mad. They, I'm, They basically said, this is a stupid issue. Why are you bringing this up? But instead of addressing the merits of the problem, they're just like, "Eh, let's not vote for this so that it remains an issue forever so that we can just keep talking about which. Oh, they're going to kick that can down the road forever. If they just admit, listen, we don't want to deal with the bullshit like backlash we would get for getting rid of prayer. So honestly, this is just uncomfortable. So it's a lot easier to just keep the prayer and not have to worry about it. Just say that. Stop pretending like, well, we got to worry about Ukraine. So let me take a few minutes and cast a no vote on this symbolic thing. Like, it's- there's never going to be a good time to get rid of symbolic religious promotion in government. And yet, by voting against it with a simple fix, again, moment of silence, they could all pray if they want to or not. The very people complaining about this thing being irrelevant drag the problem out longer. And very, I I mean, virtually none of them that I saw just would admit why they were doing that. We all know why they're doing it. Just say it. We're not idiots. Stop. 
You yeah. you you can just tell us you're pandering. It's all right. Right, right. Um, okay, here's the main one I really wanted to get to this week because I saw a couple different articles in mainstream publications addressing this, and we've touched on this before too. So there was an article in The Atlantic that's called How Politics Poisoned the Evangelical Church. Oh, I saw that headline and then did not click. <laughs> You, you're you're not missing that much. It's not a bad article, but it's stuff we've all heard before. Okay. And again, I my problem with it starts right with the headline, how politics poisoned the evangelical church, as if it was so wonderful before 2016. Like, come on. I the mean, politics I, is not wait, the problem with evangelicals. Which do you think broke the other? Do you think the Republican Party broke evangelicals or do you think evangelicals broke the Republican Party? Was any of them good to begin with, at no, least in but modern times? Louder and meaner and more powerful, so something's changed. Anyway, why don't you I mean, just tell me what you're when their say. friends well, when their yeah. friends and allies start leaving them and they're like, Oh no, everyone's disappearing. I must cling to my only friends uh-huh. here. And what happens is you get a tighter, stronger bond with fewer and fewer people. Sure. So look, they both infected each other. I this I I think I didn't like the headline that suggests it only got worse in the past few years. And I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, Like there was a pastor who said, you know, I was always preaching the gospel. I was doing this and that. I'm looking for the specific antidote. And then he's like, but now all they want to talk about is Trump shit. It's like, so basically the story is I was spreading anti-gay propaganda and now these people want to ruin it with Trump and mega stuff. It's like, buddy, you were a problem back then. Stop acting like it was fine. So, okay, that's the implication of the article. I want to be mean in a different way that I'm usually mean. And I don't like <laughs> That's exactly it. Um, they quoted Russell Moore, who is now a public theologian at Christianity Today, former Southern Baptist uh, leader. Um, but they, uh, he said, this is Russell Moore talking, a pastor asked me the other day, what percentage of churches would you say are grappling with these issues? Like MAGA infestation. Okay. Uh, what percentage of churches are grappling with these issues? And I said, 100%. All of them. I don't know of a single church that's not affected by this. Which, you know what, may very well be true. Um, Like, there was one person... Uh, Here's the story. This is a pastor that is interviewed in this Atlantic piece. He said that uh, Barack Obama started to to create this problem with his church where people started believing so many conspiracy theories Mm. that he felt like, look, you don't have to like the guy or like his politics, but saying, you know, he's from Kenya or he's a Muslim, like that's just wrong and that's not helpful. Mm. And the fact that he had to shift to correcting his own congregation on things, um, that started to bother him. Yeah. Um, He said in one case, there was a a pastor who heard a conspiracy theory from a congregation member, tried to set her straight And this is the gist of the article. A lot of pastors are like, I hate that I have to do this. It's horrible. This is all that happens. But that particular anecdote ended with the woman still attending his church and the two of them just never speaking of it again, which is another problem. Are they a member of my family or do they just (laughs) have the same (laughs) affectations? Um. One guy falsely claimed Trump won the 2020 election and the author Mm. of the Atlantic article uh, said this, tell me, uh, I know you're on camera, but whatever. When I pressed 
when I pressed him on these beliefs, I'm sorry, let me back up a second. This is a guy named Tony. Tony says an attack on Donald Trump is an attack on Christians. He believes the election was stolen as part of a demonic plot against Christian America. Dot, dot, dot. So the author of the Atlantic article, uh, Tim Alberta, says, when I pressed him on these beliefs, offering evidence that Joe Biden won legitimately and probing for the source of his conviction, Tony did not budge. He is just as convinced that Trump won the 2020 election, he said, as he is that Jesus rose from the dead 2000 years ago. Which so I mean Jesus, they really put a bow on it for us, right? Like <laughs> if you believe in some things without any good evidence, yeah. then you'll believe in many things without good evidence. And like yeah. I am not saying that every Christian is like a brainwashed idiot, but like there is an element to like if you have taken the fucking leap of faith to say, I believe in this thing that is unprovable then it seem it stands to reason to me that that one might be a little more susceptible but like listen not and to be clear all of us are susceptible like we're all fucking idiots waiting for the right con like <laughs> we're such patsies but like i mean you look it, it's a straight fucking line they connected the dots for us yeah we say this the week that all the crypto markets just plummet. It's glorious because it oh, doesn't affect me whatsoever. I'm so but happy it is funny happening. to watch so many people who are like, like, really the ape NFT stuff, and the you thought this was gonna that work and that work? was gonna work, and then people the are. Bo- it's like, yeah, go ahead. Do you think that, like the bottom has come all the way out, or do you think it's just like? God, yeah. I hope not, because it's kind of funny just to watch no, it keep going down. Oh, it's so obnoxious. And like that it really is. commercial before movies bums me <laughs> out. I don't but know you're right. why. <laughs> but you're right. Like when you are taught in religion, yes. and it, it's not exclusive to one religion. And like you said, it's not exclusive to people who are religious. Right. But when you belong to any group that tells you to ignore logic and reason mm-hmm. in favor of faith and obedience... Mm-hmm. Guess what? If they believe a different kind of mythology, it's not that weird that happens. And the weird... Okay, so here's the thing. This article appears in The Atlantic. Same damn day, the New York Times publishes a different story about a pastor named Kevin Thompson, conservative Arkansas pastor, who basically was deemed too liberal by his congregation. So this article by Ruth Graham in the New York Times says if he spoke against abortion from the pulpit, the congregation had no problem with it. But if he spoke about race in ways that made people uncomfortable because he's not racist, that was politics. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, and oh boy, go ahead. He I'm goes sorry. on, a woman emails her Bible study group warning that this pastor, uh, Kevin Thompson, was promoting a progressive leftist agenda. When Mr. Thompson invited her to meet with him, pointing out that he's a frequent guest of Focus on the Family Radio and hardly a leftist, hmm. she accused him of being beholden to the Marxist agenda and the BLM agenda. We shouldn't have taught them the word agenda. I think that was a mistake overall, I would say. Yes. 
Um, okay, again, so wait, I want, can I just like, yeah, yes, I, yes. I just want to make sure I'm understanding this. This pastor has, and he's saying like since 20, since like rise of Trumpism or? He's saying it's all gotten worse gotten because worse. politics has infested the minds of all these people so that his traditional conservative Christianity, and keep in mind, he denies the existence of trans people. He rejects marriage equality and LGBTQ rights. He supported plenty of Republican presidents. And I didn't like the New York Times They, uh, in terms of how they phrased this. They said, he's conservative on issues of gender and sexual orientation. No, he denies trans people and he hates LGBTQ rights. Just say yeah. that. And women. But he's conservative. And women. Don't forget us. He, he's, he is all of those things and he always has been. But with the Trump era, his congregation is, they see him as a liberal because he's not everything trump is Mm -hmm. in addition to all the things they like and hate oh boy so i remember in early 2016 reading or listening it was on and some npr something that was essentially this except for in like may like seven years ago five years ago six years ago six years ago 2016 leading into that election yeah like so early 2016 of Literally the exact same thing of these pastors are reaching out saying, you know, reaching out to whomever and saying like, I, I don't know who these people are anymore. These people used to be like my flock. They were kind. And now all of a sudden they are mad at everything and, and think everybody's trying to pull one over on them. And so, I mean, it's kind of interesting, I guess, to hear that this article came out now because like, yeah, dude, <laughs> right. fucking day late and a dollar short. We know we've known for five years. What yeah. did you learn and anything again, new in this? No, and that's exactly what bothered me about both of these articles. Like, fine, they're fine. If you're if we do this all the time, we talk about this every week. I know that most people don't. They sure, don't have that but... luxury. So it's fine in that sense. But to pretend that you know, politics took something that was great and made it bad is the wrong way to sum up what these things are doing. Yeah. It's politics, the Republican mega politics took something that was really awful and harmful and turned it awful and harmful in a different way mm-hmm. that is bad to some of the awful, harmful people. Like the problem isn't that these pastors are too focused on Jesus or not focused enough on Jesus. It, mm-hmm. The problem is they didn't drink the final drops from the yep. bottom of the barrel that the rest of their congregation did. And they're seen as like apostates and stuff. Um, and if you're wondering for numbers here, we talked about this last summer, the Southern Baptist convention picked a new leader. He was considered the quote unquote moderate Ed Litton. Um, and he did an interview with CNN right after he was voted to be their president. And CNN asked him, like, you know, is this a problem for you, this re- this politics infesting churches? And they said, according to a survey, 25% of white evangelicals are QAnon believers. And does that bother you? They asked him. And his response was, uh, those are, it's a fringe problem. That's what he said. He's not concerned because these are people who are like on the fringe. Every what group has did he say? 25 is what he said was a fringe. That's it's like, buddy, not a fringe. <laughs> that is a pillar. That is one of four pillars, my friend. Man. <clears throat> oy, oy, oy. Just to 
just to summarize, like, look, many of the things that make a church grow and thrive, and I think we've discussed this before, but the things that make churches grow, which is a sense of a shared purpose, a feeling that you know something other people don't understand, or at least don't get yet, and a desire for knowledge in this specialized form that someone up high, pastor, pulpit, whatever, can give you, those are the same weapons used by, like, conspiracy theorists. And if the pastors who, in this case, they all reject QAnon, they just kind of want their old jobs back, if they don't understand the role conservative Christianity played in convincing people to adopt those comforting myths that defy all logic, how are you going to reach these people? Because you've created this monster. Mm-hmm. Um, like, And again, these are all pastors who spread their own conspiracies for so long about LGBTQ people, science, abortion, they're doing it now trans people and like it's like an Ouroboros thing that they just like it's just the snake eating its own tail and like they're gonna keep coming around of like oh you don't hate trans people you're not this enough oh you don't hate like yeah they're just gonna like keep like fucking they're gonna turn to a black hole which was just recently discovered in the center of universe galaxy galaxy yeah which i don't even have anything to say because i saw the picture and i'm like that i guess that looks like a black hole fucking photoshopped (laughs) (laughs) i've seen black holes in person and that was a photoshop job genuinely hate that my reaction to all those tweets was yeah okay that's cool nice let me see the next thing like i I had no no awe i wish i had awe and inspiration in seeing something that seems so impossible to visualize. And honestly, I saw it. I'm like, yeah, okay. I still can't visualize it. It's it's still like truly like space and the scale of it is just frankly impossible (laughs) for me to even think about. So like, yeah. And that's why Canada did not vote to get rid of their prayers. (laughs) (laughs) There are other issues. Um, I was I was trying to wonder if there was like an analogy to these pastors. And I'm like, you know what? If we're talking about Republicans and you've seen some Trumpy candidates outperform so-called moderates in primaries, like who's to blame for the radicalization of the Republican Party? Trump, sure, and his allies, sure. But also I would blame so many of those, you know, moderate, traditional, old school Republicans who refuse to speak out against Mm -hmm. the radicalization in their party because they're the ones who go on Sunday morning talk shows and are like, yeah, you should all vote for Republicans. Like they're not voting with Democrats on like the abortion uh, codification of abortion rights today or this week when they did that. Why? Because they're just as radical as everybody else. They just don't think they are. Well, it's, I don't... (sighs) And so I think they're just as radical as like, everyone what? else, but they are not from places. I think they, in their hearts, are that radical, but they were not elected by people who are that radical, and they mm. care. They care less about unborn babies than they do their own hide. So I think that yeah. is priority number one. Priority number two is unborn babies, I guess, and then <laughs> priority three is just like trans people question mark feels like this sort of the next step for them is trans people boo right yeah the and the pastors like some of these guys are saying i'm kicked out of my church because i believe like race is a real problem and we should address that and that's too radical for some of these people but also like there's a there's way too much overlap when between the sort of mindset that leads you to believe conspiracy theories 
and like QAnon and a mindset that says, except the Bible is literally true. You can't tell people you got to abandon one kind of evidence-free crazy belief Mm -hmm. and then tell them, here's a different one I do want you to accept because they're both coming from the same place of wherever the hell you want to pull it out of. Well, and as we've said a million times on this show and has been said a million times elsewhere, you can't reason somebody out of a opinion they didn't reason themselves into. I mean, it's just, they don't, they just feel bad about their own lives and are looking for a scapegoat for it. And whether it's black people today or women tomorrow or trans people forever, like it's, they're just mad and they're going to keep coming after us because they think it's our collective fault that they didn't get this amazing life that they thought they were promised by virtue of being born white and Christian. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, sorry. Like, I, I, found Christ, it, like, I found it very hard to feel bad for the guys who are run out of their church or losing their jobs or having to upend and move to a different church or whatever. I, I mean, I think that we all need to be much more aware that this is, we're not just dealing with people who are voting on their best interest and by their heart, they're voting vindictively because they're mad at us. And I haven't figured out exactly why, but I don't think the answer is going to be satisfying. Actually, I didn't have this as a separate story, but it seems to track, which is the numbers came out today, Thursday, May 12th, about the Southern Baptist Convention. And these are the numbers, their memberships, their church numbers, their baptism numbers. Are these and annual it takes numbers? Into account. Yeah, pretty much. They release okay. this every year. So now we got numbers, not for the first year of the pandemic, but like the second year of the pandemic as well. And what here's basically the headline. Uh, they've lost over a million members in the past three years combined. Uh, wow. This is, in 2021, this is again, uh, is it the largest Protestant denomination in the country? I think it is, uh, the Southern Baptists. Mm-hmm. Their membership in 2021 is 13.7 million, which is down from their all-time high of 16.3 million in 2006. And yeah. it really sank after the pandemic because even people who do want to go to church don't necessarily, even in their circles, don't want to go to church. And that means less money. That means less uh, camaraderie within mm-hmm. the people in the church, fewer baptisms too. And so, you know, uh, one guy, uh, this is in an article for Christianity Today, said he has a small church, 100 people, but they didn't baptize anyone in 2020. Mm. Um, And they held a few in 2021, but, quote, at a level I'm not satisfied with, which, all right, whatever. Like, you could take a victory lap, I guess. I mean, I don't know how much of this is to... All the headlines I saw blame the pandemic, obviously, and that's the biggest cause. I do kind of wonder if there are other factors into the mix, because in that same time frame of the past three years, we learned about the sexual abuse scandal, the Mm. breadth of the sexual abuse scandal in the Southern Baptist churches, too. So I kind of wish we knew why the membership numbers and baptism numbers were falling, because I don't think it's just the pandemic. I wish I knew. Ooh, can I pitch something? Yes. Uh, and I'm sure this could be proved or dis- proven or disproven with uh, with research that I don't have in front of me. But I think today uh, we rolled over a million deaths from COVID. Yeah. 
And you said they, and listen, obviously not every person who died was like, who died from COVID was part of the Southern Baptist church, but Mm. it wasn't no one. And if, you know, a hundred thousand people across their congregation died, how does that ripple out? Especially if they caught it at a church? Like, I don't know, man, like it seemed that tracks absolutely to me. I, I yeah I, I don't think we're ever going to get those exact numbers of how many people who belong to these conservative mm-hmm. churches or conservative areas who ignored all the wisdom we learned at all about COVID as right. we were learning it and whether it affects it. I wish we knew because I want to take credit and I wish I don't think. Oh, I you can. think credit <laughs> like you and me personally? Credit, credit to the over yes us specifically <laughs> like. We know that religion's been on the decline. Organized religion has been on the decline. But I don't know how much of this particular drop is part of that same overall away from organized religion trend. Um, yeah, it's definitely going to be like a longitudinal like, thing, right? Like, Yeah, we'll find out soon enough. Um, but yeah, back to the radicalization thing. Like, If these pastors are genuinely worried, well, guess what? After you raise generations of conservative Christians to believe all these lies you can't be surprised when a bunch of them have no way of figuring out what the truth is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't feel bad for all these pastors who suddenly got profiled by big publications yeah, all at the not. same time. Why should we? Um, and I don't know why they're surprised. You've had three, four years to figure this stuff out and you still do can't connect the two the dots. Leper- the face eating leopard party thing again. Like, yeah. It's, yes. it's this all over again. Everybody else out there is crazy. I never thought people were here were like that. <laughs> <sighs> Not in a town yep. like this. I got a... Okay, this story involves uh, sexual abuse. Feel free to skip ahead to the next story if this is not Me? your thing. But I, y- you and listeners. But I, this is an important story because of who we're talking about. Um, so I wanted to bring this up. There was a guy years ago who was a big friggin' deal... Uh, named Jack Scop, S-C-H-A-A-P. Looks like Jack Shap, but it's uh, Jack Scop. Oh. Um, and he's a guy who used to be a megachurch preacher, old school fire and brimstone preacher in Hammond, Indiana, First Ooh. Baptist Church. You know, sometimes I know I do this on Twitter where I post clips of these new independent fundamentalist Baptist preachers, and they're all saying the worst. They're celebrating the death of a gay person or they're mm. calling for the death of execution of gay people. And it's, it's like, like and yeah, yeah, exactly. And the response from some people is like, well, they're clearly not preaching to that many people, except I would argue it's growing. But the point is, those are called new independent fundamentalist Baptists. They're trying to revive something. Well, Jack Scop was the head of a independent fundamentalist Baptist church, the biggest one of them all Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day, First Baptist Church in Hammond. This is a church that had like 20,000 people in a given week coming to church. Huge, huge place. Um, And he's part of this line of preachers. Like he married the daughter of the founder of the church. Like it's all within the family, whatever. He would do sermons where he's denouncing rock music he would instruct women on how to find a good man. And the answer is like, learn to do the dishes and keep your, <laughs> keep your weight down to the proper level. Finally. Um, th- Some yeah, advice that I sort can of, use. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of guy. And then in 2012, his church suddenly announced he was fired. 
and they said it was due to a sin that has caused him to forfeit his right to be our pastor. Which like, sin? <laughs> was it wearing a cotton poly blend? Yeah, that's that's the one they care about. No, they he and we quickly found out what had actually happened, even if the church wasn't coming out and saying it. The answer was he had admitted to and I'm going to use this phrase delicately because this is the technical term. He said he had sex with a 16-year-old girl who was a member of the church. And 16 is the age of consent in Indiana, so it wasn't technically rape. Cool, so, technically. Why, uh-huh. And so the church said, well, we can't fire you for that, so we'll fire you on grounds of adultery. So they did. Was he married? No. Uh, he was, so that was the thing they got him on, but okay. also she's 16 and what the hell. And here's where it got even well, technically, worse. Technically, that's not rape, Hammond. Technically. Uh, yeah, uh, technically. Here's where it gets even worse. One, and there's a lot of things to this. One is this girl had been seeing Jack Scott for counseling. That's how he got to know her. Fuck. Uh-huh. Um, According to things we found out over the course of uh, court trials and things like that, it was in one of those counseling sessions where he first kissed her, where he later said sex is, quote, exactly what Christ desires for us. And then when he was facing prison time for reasons I'll get into in a second, do you know what he blamed as what his excuse was? He said, I blame... I was I was going to go in that direction. That's not the answer. Oh. I would have said that too. He said it was quote. Uh, he blamed his prostate, exhaustion from hundred hour work weeks, and the mental strain of financial difficulties that forced him to lay off church employees. What was his prostate? You said I. That that is what I said. And Did she give I, him a pinky up the butt. Is that what he's got? He just like needed somebody to to kind of get that thing going for him. I have good question. Prosecutors responded. Prosecutors responded to that excuse by saying the only way Scop could have been working hundred hour weeks during the time period investigated by the government <laughs> is if he's counting the many hours he dedicated to grooming and sexually abusing the victim. Holy so, shit. Uh, yeah. So here's what we found out. Here's why they actually got him. Because again, adultery is a sin, fine, but it's not a crime. And in Indiana, being with a 16-year-old, ethically, clearly a problem, but it's not illegal. And so here's what he did that the government got him on. They said that uh, he couldn't spend time with her in Indiana because he lives in Indiana and everyone would have known what was going on and that would have been creepy as hell. So we had a staffer drive the girl to Illinois for counseling sessions no. and later to his cabin in Michigan. And no one said anything about it because uh, Scott visited his Illinois home once a week to, quote, spend time with God, walking and praying. So, like, when he said, I need, to, I need to see this girl in my Illinois home, they brought her over there and, and thought how, he's helping. How sure are we that she's been 16 this whole time? Like, do we feel confident we, and comfortable knowing that they only that did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one's doubting that she's said it started when she was 16. But keep in mind, in Illinois, age of Why consent is, that is worse 17. To me? It's worse know, to I me because of like, oh, like that that weird like fuck. Do you remember 
when we were younger, when the Olsen twins were turning 18 and there was like a fucking countdown on the internet oh, for like, it. And they did it for Hermione too. And it's all creepy. Oh, it's hell. also gross. Yeah. Like this is what I feel like this man has in his fucking office is like a tarot yeah. calendar for like the various pretty girls in his <laughs> congregation. Yeah. <laughs> so in Illinois, age of consent is 17, which means anything he did with her here been a crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Michigan, age of consent was 16 as well, but sex was banned between a minor and an adult with the position of authority over the victim. So that's at least something. Be- that's something. So basically, because he had to get the hell out of Indiana in order to be with her privately, um, he ended up going to two states where he was committing a crime. Um, Is and by there the way, transportation yeah. of a minor across state lines? Is that a thing? It's not I a thing, is it? Did don't I don't remember it if the transportation itself was the problem, but... Um, I feel like crossing state lines with a minor who is not your minor. That's not how it should say, but like that can't be parents, great. Her parents oh. may have consented to it, though, because they thought she was getting counseled. Um, he also allegedly... Uh, I, he also slept with her, abused her in his office during a youth conference taking place at his church. Okay. All of this happens. Here's what else we learn. This guy, creepy ass Jack Scott, sends her love letters, quote unquote, where he says things like, in our fantasy talk, you have no. affectionately spoken of being my wife. No, thank that you. That is exactly what Christ desires for us. He <laughs> wants to marry us and become eternal lovers. How old is this gentleman? Much older than 16. Um. And then another love letter that he sent to this girl said, this week, I tried to climb into your heart and write the graffiti of the gospel on the walls. My passion this week was to show you a living relationship and how to keep it alive. Yeah. You know how they caught this guy? Um, One day. Because why? (laughs) Uh, Who cares? Just keep talking. Okay. (laughs) They found him because at the youth conference, maybe the same one where he allegedly did stuff with her, he left his phone on the pulpit and (laughs) someone saw that the girl in question had texted him a picture of the two of them doing something together (gasps) and someone else found this stuff and they're like, holy shit, dude, what the hell? So anyway, that's how they found out. Now, there you go. You figured it out. Okay. So... Um, later on in the trial, this girl. Right, he dad, was fifty-four at the time. I'm sorry, that is not something I realized. Okay, sorry, I'm back. I'm with you. I'm here. It's again. all good. It is all good. During the trial for this guy now, because they were trying to send him to jail, the dad of the girl who thought he was sending his girl to counseling, mm. uh, he apparently gave a statement where he said, "What uh, Scott did to him, I will never forget how you looked me in the eyes." and lied to me, and told me how great my daughter was doing. I know he lied to me the same way he lied to my daughter. He was able to use his power and position as pastor to manipulate her and take advantage of her trust in him and faith in God. Um, dot, dot, dot. It is sickening to me that a man who claims to be a messenger of God with a daughter of his own would take advantage of a young girl in such an evil and immoral manner. The girl, the victim also gave a statement. This is a couple years later. Now she realized kind of what the hell just happened. She said, Scott violated my trust, but when it was being violated, I didn't even know it because he made me believe what we were doing was okay and right in the eyes of God. 
Uh, His lies and deception made me feel closer to him and to God. She also said directly to him, I honestly believed you loved me. I also felt so guilty and partially responsible, like maybe it was my fault. I know now that is not true. God didn't do this to me. You did. And I'm not going to blame God for it. You hurt my entire family. We trusted you. We went to church our entire lives. Now I am in counseling to deal with the constant anger, sadness, guilt, and shame I feel Every day is a challenge for me because every day when I wake up, I don't want to get out of bed. That is what she said when she was like 18. Sweet Um, girl. Oh my God. And so this is all when he was maybe being sentenced. And the prosecutors were asking, send him away for 10 years. That's the amount for the crime he committed. 10 years followed by another 10 years of supervised release. The judge took all that into consideration and said, I'm sending this guy away for 12 years. Good with five years of probation. That would have kept him in jail through February 2nd of 2023, next year, because this happened a while ago. So he was supposed to be released next February. Um, I should say his lawyers recently, they have asked for an earlier release date. They said Scop is now 63. His parents are still alive and not in good health from the pandemic. And he's the only one that can help them. And the sister has her own medical problems. And Scop's wife divorced him after the conviction. So, you know, judge, can, can you let him out because he's a good guy? And the judge is like, hell no. Fuck yourself. Right. So that's the last we heard about anything about this, where it was his lawyer saying, can Uh he get an early release? Judge says, no, haven't heard anything since. Okay. And then suddenly, last week, there's suddenly an update. The Federal Bureau of Prisons, which gives you a short bio of the prisoners, like what's Mm -hmm. their deal, uh, says he's released today. Now, done. He's out. Oh. And it's like, wait a minute. He's among us right now? Now it's like, well, he's not supposed to be out for another like eight months or something. What the hell just happened? Um, And we have no idea. I don't know why he was let out early, but I should say that like there are now ways for federal prisoners to get a quicker release based on participation in programs designed to reduce recidivism. I don't know if that's what he did. He took classes in jail and then he got out early. I don't know the answer. Is but that he's out. normally not transparent? I, I, I actually don't know. Like, you know, I don't know. I was very curious like that they didn't explain why. Yeah. Yeah. If maybe there's an open records request that can be done to find out, but it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, the Federal Bureau of Prisons just said out. Like, he's just released. That's sure. kind of all it said. Um, if there's... So, I mean, again, did he do his time? I guess he did for what the crime was whether or not you think that's the right amount of time is a different story i did i was curious like so like is he a danger to society now is he going back to that church what's going to happen the only thing i saw in response to his release the first baptist church this big giant place that he left did issue one statement um to to uh, the spokesman said our ministry has not had contact with him and do not know his future plans we are confident he will not have any connection to this church or the Hiles Anderson College associated with it i mean i have to assume that's true because why the hell would you want this guy back in your lives even yeah. them so fine but um i also don't know what he's doing next and I, he's six, tr- he's 63 he's not old old you know no, what i mean no he's not super old 
Yeah. I feel like 63 year olds are out there running ultra marathons or whatever. It wouldn't be me, but there's, there's some of them. Right. I feel like this is a really good example of like why, why our prison system is fucking useless because this guy did a thing. It like all the right things happen, right? He did the crime. He was accused. He went to trial. He got caught. Got caught. Plenty all of evidence. Happened. Yep. He went to jail for, I mean, I think 12 years is a fairly appropriate amount of time for something like that, considering how the law is vis-a-vis uh, age of consent. Yeah. But now we're at a place that we are with every prisoner prisoner who is potentially physically dangerous is, okay, well, he did the crime, he did the time. Now we don't know what's going to happen next. Whereas if we had put in this sharp, 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 who cares? Don't correct me. Into like... Oh, Scop. Yeah. Scop. Thank you. If we had put somebody like him into like counseling and like teaching them things that are helpful for when they get out and like doing psychiatric workups and making sure Mm -hmm. these people's issues, like maybe underlying medical issues or mental issues are addressed. Like all of those things would keep us from having to say something like, so I guess he's out of jail. Good luck to everybody. I don't know what Indiana. I don't know what classes he took. I don't know where he's living. Um, and I, I'm almost worried he's going to try to uh, start something new, or because that's the skill set he they has, right? Being, that. yeah. Um, when you're a psychopath. You're extremely superficially charming, and boy, oh boy, if you're a pastor, nothing is better than being superficially charming. <sighs> so that guy, that poor is, girl, that right? poor sweet I, and I, girl, she didn't deserve that at all. I don't. I I haven't read any articles that quoted her uh, saying anything about the release or anything. I hope she's okay now, wherever she is, whatever she's doing. Yeah. Um. I got one last story for you that uh, is less heavy, but also it's disturbing as all hell. There <laughs> is um Idaho's lieutenant governor. Her name is Janice McGeechan. Uh, current lieutenant governor in Idaho. Idaho, very red state, has mm-hmm. a Republican governor. Very but when you elect the governor, state. yeah, some some parts of it, yeah. Um, when you elect the governor and the lieutenant governor, they do not run on the same ticket, so they are not running mates. They oh. run separately. So, and it turns out in Idaho, these two friggin' hate each other. Both Republicans, like the guy in charge is your typical run-of-the-mill conservative Republican governor. Uh-huh. She is a batshit crazy Trump Republican lieutenant oh, governor to golly. the point where, like, please look this up because it's glorious. His name is Brad Little. Like, when he goes out of town, she's like, I'm going to write a bunch of executive orders to overturn the shit he's doing oh my that God. I don't like. And then he comes back and he's like, guess what? I'm just not going to tell you when I leave, because if I don't tell you and I don't have to tell you, you don't get to take over. Like they have this glorious little fight going on. It's awesome. Hysterical. So he's running for reelection right now, and she's running to take his job. Can you give me an example of like a thing he passed that she rescinded? Because sometimes I have a, a hard time telling people that far to the right apart. <laughs> in terms talking of talking for a second and I'll find it. Okay. Um <laughs> the no, the reason I said I Idaho is a libertarian state is because that is just a general thing I know that like Idahoans are like into individual liberties, which is I think partly why that guy I told you about the oh, um, the go. fight before Christmas, right? 
Just let me finish my thought. There's a documentary called yes, Fight for yes. Christmas about the worst man in the entire world. Uh, and it takes place in Idaho. And I think he went there because they're pretty like fucking chill and things like that. All right, Hammond, what'd you find for me? Okay, here's what we got. This is uh, from May of 2021. Uh, Brad Little was out of the state, which provided McGeechan the ability to become acting governor. She used that power to sign an executive order prohibiting the state and its political subdivisions, including public schools, to enforce mask mandates. Oh, my Christ. You can't tell kids to wear masks. Little signed another executive order when he returned on Friday, returning control to, like, school boards to enforce mask mandates. (laughs) Because he's like dum dums. I know. So basically, his thing is like, I don't want to. I don't want to put a mask mandate on all of you, but I'll let the school boards decide if they want mask mandates. Which, by the way, is not helpful. Like, just friggin' tell everyone to do it, and then he leaves town for like a day for something, and she comes in. She's like, no masks, anyone. Is that all states that as soon as the governor leaves the immediate area, they give up their governorship because? That feels like a fucking buck wild way to run a government. <laughs> well, it's like Joe, if I mean this happened, this like right, Joe Biden had to go through a typical like routine medical sure. checkup and he was gonna be under anesthesia or something. So for that hour that he was in like being looked at and uh under uh drugs and stuff, Kamala Harris was like officially there yeah, as president but for like that an hour. Makes sense because right. Joe Biden was so if, under anesthesia, not right. So if the governor's the out of town and even though he's there and he's accessible, maybe if there's something that in a case of emergency and here she is like, I'm queen now. Yeah. So I get to do whatever I want. Idaho, so anyway. a real tiny state where if there's an emergency, you can get from one end to the other really easily <laughs> and quickly. Hemet, Just you're a making panhandle sugar. from left to right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This is, by the way, this is someone who obviously you're not going to be surprised by this. McGeechan spread COVID misinformation. <gasps> she wanted to spend taxpayer money on disinfectant cubes which cubes? were a thing cubes where like you can walk through sanitation gates and not get COVID. Remember there was like a month where a bunch of people are like, buy my air purifier for your giant church and it'll like remove COVID from the I air. No, is and, it like when oh, you're at an it was a thing. park and there's like a cooling tent with like the light misty spray? Like that's sure. what I'm, Im- is it kind of imagine that? Like? that. And she's saying, like, if you go through here, it'll stop the COVID. And everyone's like, there's no evidence any of that is true. And she's like, let's spend taxpayer money on it. And then, Uh, so my favorite thing, and by favorite, I mean, holy shit thing about McGeechan is that she made a video for a right wing, like, quote unquote, freedom group, where she's seen in a giant, like, army van with a flag draped over it and she's like in the driver's seat and she holds up her bible with one hand like a waiter bringing the platter of food and then in the other hand she holds up a gun and it's like yep that's that tracks okay why why am i mentioning her because again she's running for governor she's trying to become governor the primary is coming up soon Hmm. that's her chance to defeat brad little um, and so she's doing interviews with far right news networks. Um, <laughs> and one of the things she said with this like white nationalist, I think, dude, Stu Peters or something, mega radio host, she said, and I'm quoting, God calls us to pick up the sword and fight and Christ will reign in the state of Idaho. 
if she becomes governor, she's saying Christ will reign. Like, man, at least the other Republican, like, quote unquote, moderates, at least they're subtle about their Christian nationalism. She's just like, if you elect me, Bibles for everybody. Like, holy crap. Yes. I just don't get it. I, I truly, really and truly, like... Just the idea of when we're out here saying like, well, we need to take care of children and families and making sure they're getting adequate nutrition, especially right now there's this formula shortage. Yeah, We need to make sure uh, working parents have an opportunity to spend time with their kids and raise them and be a part of their lives while also being able to financially support them. We need healthcare for more people. We need to take care of our veterans much better than we do. And the best, and like these aren't divisive things. Like the people who are voting Republican are aware of these issues, but they're like, oh, girlfriend's holding a Bible. Don't mind if I do. Like, (laughs) I know it's this condescending, you're voting against your best interests thing that like liberals always do. And I appreciate that I am one of those right now, but like, yeah. Which (laughs) I just, I. If you have a minute and you're listening to this, go search for any interview she's done with like a local news outlet or anything because she doesn't do many because she can't answer questions because she's dumb. But like she's also so afraid of trying to defend any of these positions because they're indefensible. And she ends up looking like a damn fool every time when they're like, well, why did you spend money on this thing? Or why are you trying to usurp the power of the governor when he's away for a day? And she just comes off like a kook. Um, If there's any solace here, the primary for that race is May 17th. So it's next week. Um, It looks like Brad Little should be running away with it. Mm. And I hope that means she's gone forever. Um, Can you? Oh, my God. Do you have any way of knowing it could she could they land in the same spot again? Could they end up as governor and lieutenant governor? Because I fully don't understand I, how their fucking democratic process works. I Is did, it like I a, didn't look into it? I don't know if lieutenant governor is happening at the same time and she's not on that ticket or. But something. it's not like a Jefferson Adams thing where like Adams <laughs> won, so he's president. Jefferson came in second, so he's vice president. Which was I don't think it's that. Yeah, no, honestly, I think she's. People put a lot of stock in our founding fathers, even though that was their first idea for the vice president. So maybe like, let's just sort of take that into account when we're discussing what the founding fathers would or would not want. I'm going to, I'm going to pause there because I'm all talked out. Okay. There was Uh, a lot this week. There was a lot this week. It's Um, been a long week for me and you. Yes. We're both on the the struggle bus. Um, Are we doing a bonus episode or are we just going to go to bed? Yeah, we'll do a short bonus. Fuck. Okay. I did write yeah. down a list. I wrote down a list while I when I, I know nothing about you. your vacation. I was very curious. Oh, yeah. I can tell you about my vacation. Essentially, the, th- <laughs> the thesis of that vacation is bachelorette parties in your 30s are different than bachelorette parties in your 20s. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing at all. But that's... Uh, so I'll talk about that. Um, I want to talk about my new favorite town in... Col- it's called Columbus, Indiana. Now... I hate Indiana, and you know that about me. I am in love with this little town, and I would love to tell you more about it. Um, I also want to talk about an artist I saw when I was in Asheville, a musical artist. uh, Their name is LP. They're a non-binary singer and songwriter, and um, it blew my whole entire mind, and I will never be the same again. I'm watching a show, or I just finished a show called The Other Two. Learned a lot about MKUltra. Love to talk to you about that. 
Um, my dumb friends on a bachelorette party pitched something called white culture corner that I would like to discuss with you. Um, that's enough. I've, I have other things, but those are all right. All right. Uh, you could find me at Hemant Meta on Twitter. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. And hopefully next week you'll see us. I mean, we'll see each other in person. It's a much easier. Where do we, where do we find you? Where do we find you? You can always find me on Twitter at Jess Plumke. Uh, my Etsy shop is Bitches Get Stitched Done. Um, and yeah, you can always email us at friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com. Leave a review on iTunes. Haven't read any of those in a while. I bet they're still pretty mean about me, but I bet there's some nice things too. Um, All right. We'll, we'll talk, talk to you in the bonus to you. episode. Yes. Bye. Bye.